Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Look for AZ Adopt Podcast. Today on Birth Mother Matters and Adoption, we're talking with probably my favorite guest. I have to say that. It's my wife, the lovely and talented Lisa, our attorney and the attorney for uh, BAF also. And today we'll be talking about ICPCs, which are interstate compacts. So that's somebody who's placing a baby, for instance, in Arizona, and the adoptive family is, say, from Kentucky. Thank you for having me. And Absolutely. Yes. So we are discussing the interstate. It's, it's actually called ICPC, which mm-hmm. stands for Interstate Compact for the Placement of Children. Now, that actually deals with not just adoption matters, but it deals with child custody matters as well, possibly dependencies, any anything involving children where they may transport from one state to another state. The purpose and the policy behind the whole interstate compact, which is actually an agreement between all 50 states, is that each child that's requiring placement shall receive the maximum opportunity to be placed in a suitable environment with persons or institutions that have the appropriate qualifications and facilities to provide the necessary and desirable degree of care. And what it does is it promotes full compliance with all states' laws and any applicable requirements to provide the utmost protection for the child. Certain terms that people don't understand, one of them being you have your sending agency, you have the receiving state, and then you have interstate compact administrators as well. The sending state is the party or the state or officer that basically brings or causes the child to be sent into another state. So for instance, as an example, in the adoption setting, which is essentially what we're focusing on, when either my firm or the agency is representing a birth mother who has a child, then and that, and that uh, birth mother matches with a family from another state who's going to be eventually adopting the child, and that's where the adoption is going to be finalized. Obviously, that's where the child's going to be living. Uh-huh. So when the family comes out, when the mother gives birth to get the child, obviously they go back to their home state. And so you're transporting the child from Arizona to another state, and you cannot do that 
unless you've gotten approval from the interstate compact. So Arizona is the sending would be the sending state and either the agency building Arizona families when it's an adoption situation will be the sending agency um, in private placements, which is what I do. Actually, it's the mother who is the sending party who's sending the child to another state. But in any event, you have a sending agency or person. The receiving state obviously is the state where the child is going. Placement means the arrangement for the care of the child. Then you've got your interstate compact administrators in each state that oversees it all. Uh, the interstate compact basically does have a condition which says that no sending agency shall bring or cause to be sent or brought into any other party state any child for placement in a foster care or as a preliminary to a possible adoption unless the sending agency complies with each and every requirement set forth by, by the compact. The compact, again, being the agreement between 50 states. And so it's it's they take it very seriously. There's a penalty for what's called illegal placement. And the penalty basically says that if, if you do send, bring, or cause to be sent into any receiving state of a child in violation of the terms of the compact, it constitutes a violation of laws respecting the placement of the children of both the state that you're sending the child from and the state that you that the child is going to be received in. And such violation may be punished or subjected to penalty in either jurisdiction. So it's it's serious. You have to comply with it. There's no getting around it. Now, this is, like you said, this is an agreement between all 50 states. However, the laws in different states are different. So are there just certain aspects that are a national thing and then some are a state legislated kind of states rights issue? They're governed by what's Regulation 12. And so most of the requirements for the interstate compact for the placement of children are uniform straight across. Okay. Now, there may be some some additional documentation that some of the administrators may want in addition to the Regulation 12. Not many of them, though. For the most part, it's uniform. And as you know, because you process uh -huh. these packages, we usually say that, see the same same documents go in them, which I, was, I can go over a list of the documents okay. as well. Before I get into the list of documents, just to give an example of the procedure. So what happens is, and again, referring back to an adoption situation. So uh, the mom delivers the, the child, the family comes out. So what happens is the family is not allowed to leave the state of Arizona or whatever state is the sending state until the compact administrator from the sending state approves of the adoption package. When they give their approval, the family, they can leave the state the sending state, but they cannot enter their own home state until that compact administrator has additionally looked at the package and given their approval to say, okay, you may enter back into your home state. So it's a very strict process. You have to have the approval of both the sending state and the receiving state. And as you know, that can take uh, some time. It can, um, I mean, it could take from a matter of days to a matter of weeks, right? depending on if, if you have all the necessary documentation, which we'll go over briefly, that is required to go in the packages. One nice thing I will bring up is that they recently, in 2013, and more states are joining it, 
implicated what's called NICE, N-E-I-C-E, which is the National Electronic Interstate Compact Enterprise. And that's a national electronic system for quickly and securely exchanging all data and documents that are required by the Interstate Compact. And the benefit of that is that obviously the work required and the time for states to exchange paperwork is significantly reduced. And as you know, again, from doing this for so long, most of the states we deal with are in these, which is wonderful now because we used to have to print out those packages, which could be hundreds of pages, mm -hmm. print out a whole package for the administrator from Arizona to mm -hmm. give, two additional copies for the out-of-state administrator, an additional copy for the attorneys, an additional copy for our firm, and sometimes you'd have a thousand pages. Right on some of those. Oh, which, easily. Easily. And you'd have to take the packages, you'd have to, they'd have to go by FedEx, which I consider snail mail now, <laughs> almost. And the NICE system is fantastic because everything's electronic. So what we do is now we email copies of all the documents, we assemble them in a nice PDF, submit them to the Arizona administrator via email, and then they enter it into the NICE system to where the receiving state has access. And it, it has significantly sped up the time for processing, which is nice because these families are out here and most of the time they're just staying in a hotel waiting, waiting for, approval. for approval. Right. Yes. So essentially the government, at least in this instance, has finally caught up to say 2000 technology. Yes. <laughs> yes. Which is, which is extremely wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, there are a lot of documents, obviously, as you know, that needs to go into the packet. Mm -hmm. in, in an adoption situation, uh, the consents need to go in there. They want to have, uh, most states will want a counseling summary or want to make sure that the birth parent has at least been offered the opportunity to have counseling. Mm -hmm. They're going to want newborn medical records. Most of them want a discharge summary. There's a home study for the adoptive family. Very detailed which will also include all the background checks. They will include the uh, central registry background checks, child abuse background checks, state and local police background checks, FBI background checks. So they're going to want all that in there. They're going to want essentially all the documentation that was supporting documents for their home study, such as driver's licenses, uh, reference letters, tax returns sometimes. So that's, that's one of the biggest documents that you include in there's that home study and all the supporting documents that go to that. I've noticed as I'm putting these all together that there are certain states that the home study is a lot more in depth and even repetitive there. And, you know, I'll get home studies with two to 300 pages from time to time. Why the difference in states as far as the size of the home study? So some of the administrators will allow, if, if the results of all the background checks are referenced in the written part of the home study, they may not require the actual hard copy of all the, the results and, and so forth with all the checks. Some administrators want, want all the hard copy written results included in there. And so that's the difference a lot of times is, is the amount of documents be, where one wants the actual supporting docs, one administrator may be fine as long as the results are documented in the home study. 
Okay. So that can make one difference. They want an accounting of adoption fees and expenses. They want to make sure that everything was done legally as far as payment of living expenses to birth parents, as far as if the agency or attorney's fees were reasonable. So they will check those. They want a social medical history of the birth parents included. They want all the, all the documents with regards to the potential fathers. They want to find out whether who all has been named and for each of those individuals named, if they have been served yet or if they will be served. They want to know what the plan is to terminate the parental rights. Sometimes mm -hmm. those rights are going to be terminated in the receiving state. Sometimes they'll be sent, to, sent they'll be terminated here in Arizona. They want the family to sign particular at risks. And what's that? An at risk is basically that they know that until the rights have been terminated for the biological parents mm -hmm. and that essentially the adoption is still at risk until the child is free for placement for adoption. Okay. And and one of the things that you do have to put in there is, of course, in detail, the termination plan of exactly how those rights will be terminated. They want placement docs in there. They want to see the power of attorney. They want to see a placement agreement where the, the family is accepting placement of the child okay. into their custody with various conditions that the agencies may have. You have to remember an agency adoption, the agency is actually the legal guardian of the child and they will remain the legal guardian of the child until the adoption becomes final. So they most of the times will have various terms in their placement agreements and in their powers of attorney. For instance, the adoptive families may be able to make some just standard medical decisions while they, the child is in their custody. But if there's major medical, then the agencies are going to want those families to check back with them because mm -hmm. ultimately they're the legal guardians of the child until the adoption becomes final. Okay, so when the adoption becomes final, when you say that, what does that mean? Obviously, it's not after the consents are signed. It's further along. It's got to be completely approved. What is the final step? So the final step after the interstate compact clearance, once you get the clearance, the family goes home to their state. The next step is generally getting the, the rights will be terminated of the biological mother, any and all named potential biological fathers, fathers and, mm -hmm. and any and all putative fathers, which are potential persons out there that may have not been named. Right, which we've talked about in a past episode. About, right. Right. So once those rights are terminated, mm -hmm. Uh, what also is happening in the receiving state is they are having, the family is having post-placement visits as well, which as you know, a post-placement agreement has to go in the home study packet, mm -hmm. or, I'm sorry, in the ICPC packet as well. They want to make sure that they know who's going to be supervising this placement because the placement has to be supervised. So what happens is the home study agency who, who originally did the home study and mm -hmm. just, and again, we've talked about this before, but just to briefly say what a home study is, that's a whole initial certification where every aspect of the family is, is essentially looked into by the adoption agency where they basically give their initial approval saying mm -hmm. the family is approved to adopt. But not only does the agency do that and give a home study saying that, but then they have to supervise the placement to make sure that it's still a good placement. And so they will go into the home of the family and they'll do interviews for a certain number of times. Those are dictated by each particular state individually. So some states may require 
two or three visits. Some may just require monthly visits up until the time is finalized. It, it just it all varies it, across the board. Okay. But you will have to have so many post placement visits. In an agency setting, the post placement visits are given to the agency, who again are the legal guardians. The agency reviews those post placement visits, and they will have to keep reviewing them until whatever number is satisfied by their by the state law. They'll review them, and then if everything's okay. They, they look at the post-placement visits, they agree that it's still a great placement, then they will give what's called their agency consent to the adoption. So not only is the birth parent consenting, but the agency will eventually have to consent. Once they give their consent to the adoption as well, and you've got the rights terminated, then essentially you're free to finalize. Now, finalization requirements as well vary from state to state. Some uh -huh. states require that you have to wait six months. Some states require you can do it in three months. It just depends. But once that, once you've met all the requirements for the post placement, the agency's given their necessary documentation, and then you're ready to finalize depending on the state law. And so then you get a quote unquote order of adoption, and that's kind of the final paper or whatever that's, saying this is approved, it's done. Yes, that, that is. And then at that point, custody is given from the agency to the adoptive family, and so then the agency is, is, is essentially done, and of course the adoptive family becomes the legal parent. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to uh, highlight for our listeners so that they know a little more about this process, especially if they're looking into either adopting or placing a child for adoption in an interstate setting? I think the only thing that, uh, you know, is always good to know is that, you know, when families do come out here, that they do need to be prepare that they could be out here for a couple of days or it could be a couple of weeks. And you haven't mentioned, but another thing that t can delay that is, for instance, if the baby is in the NICU, that, uh, what does NICU stand for? That's Neonative Intensive Care Unit. Right. And of course, that actually, that, that's a very good thing you bring up. The baby could be delayed for that reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, because obviously you, you can't get the, in most cases you can't get the medical records, but again, Interstate Compact is really looking for the discharge summary in most states because mm -hmm. they want to make sure that everything is well with the baby now and they'll look at that discharge summary. Another delay, as you know, could be ICWA, the Indian Child Welfare Act, mm -hmm. because if, uh, if and again, just, just to quickly, uh, so our callers just know what I'm talking it, about. Right. Uh, if it's an ICWA situation where there's Native American heritage, you, the birth parents are required to have, go through the extra hearing. And the extra hearing under federal law can't take place until 10 days after the birth of the child. And you have to have those ICWA documents from that hearing in your interstate compact package before you can even submit it. So that's an, uh, hence another reason where there could be a delay. Exactly. Now, if it is an ICWA case, though, the adoptive parents will already know that in advance, so they'll know to expect that extra 10 days, if not more. But uh, for instance, if it's a hospital situation, that could be something unforeseen. So if you are adopting in another state, if you're adopting from Arizona, for instance, and you're from somewhere else, expect the worst and hope for the best kind of thing. You know, just plan on the fact that you could be here for a couple of weeks, maybe more. It could be just a couple of days. Exactly. And that's a good way to look for it. You mm -hmm. know, plan on the worst. Hope uh, for the best. <laughs> right. And, and you know, and one more thing that, that always can slow it down is over holidays. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously you have limited staff that is working. Not only, of course, the agencies and church desk, you know, we work 24-7 most <laughs> of the time. But with the state offices, a lot of times they will have vacations or be on limited Yeah, the courts staff. can be shut down and right. Yeah, yes, things are shut down. So holidays can slow it up. And it just, it, the, the other thing is that it depends on the number of placements. You've got several attorneys and agencies from each state that are using the interstate compact, mm-hmm. you know, that I shouldn't say using, they have to comply with it. Right. And if you've got, uh, as, as you know, right right now we're dealing with five, five births that took place in one week alone. That's just from our, that's just from a combination of my firm and the agency's firm mm-hmm. or the agency. And uh, I mean, if you have other agencies and attorneys, you could possibly, they could get bombarded with, you know, maybe 10, 15 placements at one time. And that takes time too. That's unforeseen. Right. So, and and there's nothing anybody can do about that. So that's, I'm glad you brought that up about, you know, different things to expect as far as if there's delays. So thank you. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining me. I know you came a long way just to be part of this. You walked all the way from the bedroom out to my office here. And I appreciate you taking that time. No, I really do. I love having you on the show, and Kelly I, loves it when we do this as well. Well, I would like to clarify one thing. It's it's, it's actually my office. It's not that I don't want people to think I just rolled out of bed to do this. <laughs> that, that room is actually my office. <laughs> that's so. right. She is an attorney, and she works very hard. I call it a bedroom because that's how the house was set up. That's beside the point. <laughs> Thank you so much, and we'll have you on again soon, and we'll talk about something else in the legal aspect of adoption. And I will look forward to that. Thank you, Ron, as always. If you're pregnant and considering adoption, we are here for you and understand what you're going through. We've helped hundreds of women place their babies for adoption, and we want to help you as well. We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112, or you can reach us on our toll-free number at 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and help you get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan, or just give you more information. Check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by looking for AZ Adopt Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us. Birth Mother Matters and Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Thanks go out to Grapes for letting us use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Join us next time on Birth Mother Matters and Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Rains, and we'll see you then.